Let's take a moment before we begin our Torah study and pray together. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. I want you to be certain of something and to have real confidence in this, that it is the will of God to bless you. That's his expressed and clear desire. And it's also his will that we accept responsibilities that he gives to us. So he wants to give us blessings and he wants to give us responsibilities. And I believe that we experience his blessings in greater and greater measure when we're living the life of faith and faithfulness. And it's the message from this week's Torah. But before I go any further, I want to tell you something I've been thinking about during the worship. It had to do with the fact that Moses changed the name of Joshua to Joshua. His given name, and I'm using the English right now, was Hosea, which is a kind of uh, prayer, Lord, save us. But Joshua is connected to the exact name of Yeshua with just a little variance, and it means God will save us. And salvation comes from God. And so they both speak of salvation, but Moses didn't want to call the guy he depended on and was next to Hosea. He wanted to call him Yoshua, Yeshua, Yehoshua. All of those are variants of the same name. And I, I was thinking about this over and over and over again during the worship, and I thought, isn't that interesting? Moses changed the name of this person from a prayer to a declaration. And you know what? Joshua accepted that, and Joshua was faithful, and Josh, Joshua took on all the responsibilities that were associated with serving together with Moses. How many of you can imagine that it wasn't easy to serve with Moses? Yeah. Moses was a man of faith, but he was also a man of faithfulness. And when we say faith and we say faithfulness, in Hebrew we're talking about one thing that has two different sides to it. Faith without faithfulness isn't really faith. And faithfulness without faith isn't really faith. They go together. They are uh, inseparable. And I think it's useful for us as we're studying the Scriptures, as we're worshiping the Lord, as we gather together, as we're by ourselves, as we're going through life, that we are really intentional to join our faith and our faithfulness together. And as we move forward, and Kadima is our byword, you know, Kadima, let's say that word together, Hebrew word, it means forward or charge. And it, 
Kadima. It even means let's go. Let it be that we move forward in the blessings that God has and that we're faithful also with the responsibilities he entrusts to us. Remember that faith and faithfulness are two sides of the same coin. They work together. And I want to start with some readings from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, starting in verse 27. While Yeshua was saying these things, one of the women in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you in the breast at which you were nursed. And no, this was not a Catholic small group gathering. This was, a, it was just life. Verse 28, but Yeshua said, for sure, but even more is the blessing given to those who hear the word of God and observe it. Let, let's say for sure, for sure. Another way of saying it, Absolutely. But even more. I love that way of communicating that Yeshua has when he wants to go further. He affirms and then he adds something to it. It's beautiful. Now, I know Yeshua loved his mama. How many of you are confident of that? He loved his Yiddish mama. And he honored her. But even so, he knew the greater truth of blessing. And he said it even more. Even more, Yeshua said, is the blessing given to those who hear the word of God and observe it and do it. And he actually knew his mother in this way, that she had heard things from the Lord and she had done what the Lord told her to do. Faith comes by hearing, what does the scripture say? Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. And faithfulness, what does that mean? It means to observe God's Word. It means to put it into practice. And so Yeshua was pointing not to her physicality and biology and maternity, which were true and important, without which he would not have been born into a human body but he was pointing to her faith and her faithfulness. She was not perfect. The only perfect, sinless human being ever conceived or born was Yeshua. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. Let's go back a few chapters, Luke chapter 8, verses 19 through 21. 
Now Yeshua's mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. And it was reported to him, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wishing to see you. And Yeshua answered and said to them, my mother and brothers are these who hear the word of God and do it. Now, I like to say that sometimes Yeshua uses sharp language to make a point. Do you get it? He gives a sharp word because he's trying to make a specific point. And when we really belong to him, and when we really want to count ourselves as his family, we need to not just rely upon our having been born into a family, not upon our biology or our genetics or anything like that, but upon these two things. Do we listen to the Word of God and do it? Yeshua's teaching about uniting faith and faithfulness, I think, is very important. Now, I know that some people get nervous at this point. Some are nervous because they know they have just a little faith. Just a little. And I want to encourage, I want to encourage you because I want you to take heart in this. A mustard seed of faith is what it takes. How much? A mustard seed. A little can be very powerful. Now, other people are nervous because they know that they don't perfectly do what God's Word says to do. I want to tell you something. Honestly, it's true for all of us. We're not perfect in what we do. We are not perfect. No one is. And that's why we will always need atonement to cover the gap. And I want you to take heart in this. Yeshua's atoning sacrifice covers your sin. It's not an excuse to sin. But instead, it's a recognition that Yeshua's sacrifice is perfect once for all. And his sacrifice atones for our imperfect ways. I also realize some people have been taught that faith is separate from action. And if that's what you've been taught, if that's been part of your uh, inherited theology or the theology that you've developed, then Yeshua's words can be not only extremely provocative, they may actually be troubling and disturbing, and you may want to minimize his words and try to make them say something different. But I have some advice, personally. I think it's better to take Yeshua's words at face value and learn from him and adjust our theology to what he says rather than adjust what he says to our theology. I feel like I'm going backwards in Luke, because now it's Luke chapter 6 I want to look at. 
starting in verse 46. Yeshua says, why do you call me Lord? Lord, but you don't do what I say. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I'll show you who he's like, whom he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when a flood came, the torrent burst against that house, but it could not shake it because it had been well built. In Matthew 7, verse 24, he speaks about the same topic. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And he tells us that when the, when the storm came, it didn't destroy that house. When, let's say that, when, when the storm came. Now, all of us who live in Florida, we know something about when storms come, yes? And we know this, not every storm that's coming is going to actually hit. And it's not going to hit everywhere the same. And personally, I'm glad this storm wasn't very hard in my neighborhood. I was sort of ready for it. How many of you got ready? I even brought my trash cans into the garage because I thought, you know, it's gonna blow. We brought plants in from our back porch because we thought the wind was gonna be strong. And not only that, I turned off the irrigation system in advance so that it wouldn't water the grass on Thursday because I was sure we were going to get so much rain, I didn't want to pay for water. And I was following my uh, multiple weather apps on my iPhone. How many of you have weather apps on your phones? I have multiple ones. And I'll tell you the truth, I have found that the weather apps are not always accurate. <laughs> and not only that, sometimes they're wrong about what's happening right now. But there was a certain moment when we started hearing some noise. It sounded like something was blowing around. And so I went out to investigate it. Couldn't quite find out what it was. I mean, I found one thing that was, that I'd left outside, I brought it into the garage. It was a cart that was sort of moving a little bit. But even when it was in the garage, we, we heard some noise. So I went out into the back. And while I was standing there and the sky was getting dark and foreboding, and the wind was kicking up, I heard this, the way I described it to my siblings was, I heard this otherworldly noise. It was like an explosion. And it had otherworldly qualities to it. And so you know what I did? I looked up in the sky to see if there was a UFO and if it had shot a ray down 
and destroyed something there wasn't. In fact, as soon as the noise occurred, the electricity went out. And it stayed out for a little while. But I was sharing this with my siblings by text because they wanted to know how we were doing. And one of them quoted like this, uh, this anti-Semitic neo-Nazi meme about um, Jewish space ray guns. And it was, you know, there are some anti-Semites who have, uh, they, they figured out that Jews have these ray guns in outer space and they're shooting them at the earth. And this is why there are so many troubles and natural disasters because the Jews in outer space are doing this. And so as soon as I said, I looked up to, to see if there was a UFO and there wasn't and I was relieved, one, one of my family members said, yeah, but what about the Jewish ray guns? <laughs> and it just went on from that. And that's, the, that's my family. You know, in the face of such issues, they start making jokes. So, you know what it was? I don't, but I know it took out the electricity. And the noise was amazing. It wasn't like the normal transformer blowing or something like that, you know, that you're familiar with. It was eerie. However, it wasn't really eerie. It was just a weird sound. That's all it was. Storms come. It's not always eerie. We live in Florida. We get certain kinds of storms. That should not be a surprise to anyone who lives in Florida. But I'm thankful, aren't you? If, if you were spared from some of the destruction that storms can bring. And it's important to know that when we're spared, we can be thankful, but we can also be compassionate for those who did suffer, who were flooded, or who lost trees, or whose homes were destroyed. And we can be grateful on one hand, but we can be compassionate on the other hand. Yes? And we're not torn between those things. We can keep both of them in our hearts and in our minds. Yeshua is saying, do you want to be wise in this world? I'll tell you a secret, and then it won't be a secret. Here's the secret. Listen to me and do what I tell you to do. Put into practice what I teach you. That's a secret, because it's no secret storms will come. But why do people stand in the midst of storms? It's because they're living in a house that's well-built. What makes it well-built in the spirit? It's built on rock. What's the rock? When you ask that question, most people will instinctively say Yeshua is the rock. But that's not what he's saying here. 
He's saying the rock, in this case, is hearing his words and putting them into practice. That's the rock. So it is true he's the rock. But in this case, he's talking about putting into practice. You see, he's saying that if you are people of faith, then being faithful is part of that. It's not just saying, Lord, Lord. It's saying, Lord, tell me what to do. And it reminds me of the time Elijah was in the cave. He was in despair after having had this great victory, spiritual victory over the prophets of Baal. But he was chased out of town in fear for his life. And there was thunder and there was an earthquake, but you know what the Scripture says? The Lord wasn't in the thunder, and he wasn't in the earthquake. And then it says, And then Elijah heard the still small voice of the Lord. It can be translated this way. And then he heard the quiet voice. And there's even another way of translating it. Thank you, Paul Simon. He heard the sound of silence. And there's one more way of translating it. He heard the utter silence. There are moments in life when it's in utter silence, when we have exhausted our ability to hear loud voices and obvious things. When it's totally silent, there are moments when that's when God can speak to our heart. There are times when we need everything else to just quiet down. Now, it can be in the midst of despair that this happens, or trouble, it was for Elijah, when he was trying to figure out what to do and how to save his own life, how to protect himself, and he wasn't sure he could do it. And it was in this moment when he was torn and uncertain, but he was listening for anything that God might give to him. And when did he actually hear the Lord? When it was after the storm, in the quietness. And there are times, I think, in our lives when we go through a storm and we're still facing all the questions, and yet it's the quietness after that storm. When we are just still in need, that's when we hear the voice of the Lord. So don't be afraid of the quietness. James 1, verse 22. 
Don't just listen to God's Word. Do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. Ouch. James 2.14. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? James was speaking to this way that people divide faith into like this mental process. and not into a whole life experience. Faith means trusting the Lord and putting that trust into practice. And Yeshua speaks of this, and the apostles speak of this, and, and they, they emphasize the unity of faith and action, and they highlight the importance of both faith and faithfulness. Even when it applies to Yeshua's mother, it's important to remember God is perfect in all of his ways. And we are not perfect in all of our ways. How many of us can confirm that, that we're not perfect? We are perfectly not perfect. He's completely trustworthy, even though our own trust of him is imperfect. How many times have you experienced this where you absolutely know you trust God except for at this very moment when you're facing a difficulty and you don't know what's going to happen and you're not certain? Anybody have that experience? Our trust is imperfect even though if you ask us, we'd say, of course I trust God. And it would be true, but it would only be true about our imperfect trust of him. Now, with all that in mind, I think we can better understand Moses' word from this week's Torah portion. So we'll go to Deuteronomy 26, verses 16 through 19. Today, Adonai, your God, commands you to obey these laws and rulings. Therefore, you are to observe and obey them with all your heart. Let's underline that by saying it out loud, with all your heart and all your being. You see, it's a matter of the heart. Never forget this. It's a matter of the heart. You are agreeing today that Adonai is your God and that you will follow his ways, observe his laws, misfold and rulings, and do what he says. So it's a matter of the heart and then verse 18, in turn, Adonai is agreeing today that you are his own unique treasure, as he promised you, that you are to observe all his mitzvot and that he will raise you high above all the nations he's made in praise, reputation, and glory, and that, as he said, you will be a holy people for Adonai, your God. So, Mishpacha, I want you to be confident. I want you to be assured in this. God wants to bless you, and that's why he takes some of the mystery out of blessing. Our covenant with God is a mutual agreement of the heart. It's a mutual agreement of loyalty and commitment. The Lord 
has a heart towards us, and we enter into a covenant by having a heart towards Him. And it's not all emotional because it includes action and truth and accountability and things that are real. That's why Yeshua could say, why do you say Lord, Lord, but you don't do what I say. We trust Him, and from His side, He entrusts to us the great responsibility to be His people, holy people for the Lord. And so, He's counting on us to represent Him well. And yet, we're schlamazels and schlamils. We are incapable of perfectly representing Him well. And he's still counting on us. So he puts a lot of trust in us. He's counting on us. I want you to get this because it's not always clear to people. We have the great privilege, we have the responsibility to represent Hashem's goodness, his holiness, his mercy and his compassion, his justice, and his truth. And I will tell you something. Most people prefer to represent what comes naturally to their personality. And so if you're a mercy giver, truth may be hard for you to represent. And the truth from God may be difficult, but mercy may be easy. If you're a truth speaker, mercy may come hard to you. Here's the thing about the Lord. Truth and mercy don't come hard to the Lord. They exist simultaneously in the Lord, and one never totally defeats the other. Mercy triumphs over justice, the Scripture says, so that we can live. Because if justice triumphed over mercy, the world would just get, the population would get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller, and it'd all be over. And we know that mercy triumphs over justice because when the Lord saw how evil humanity had become prior to the flood, he contemplated just wiping out all humanity. But mercy triumphed. And don't be naive. Life can be over in a moment for any one of us. After uh, I had open heart surgery, I had a follow-up session with part of the surgeon's team. And it was at a time when the surgeon wanted to check some things, see how I was doing, and he said, okay, you can drive now. And I emotionally wasn't ready to drive. And I said, do you think it's safe? 
And he started laughing. And he said, I'll tell you what wasn't safe. It was about a month ago before the surgery. You could have died at any moment. Every time you were in the car before that surgery, you could have just died. And he said it in a way that made me laugh. And I thought, whoa, it was that close, that close. I still wasn't ready to drive, but it made for a good story later. It helped me to understand how close I had come to my last days. If anybody ever asks you, do you think we're in the last days? My answer is, I think everybody's in their last days. It's just coming sooner or later. It doesn't matter what generation you're in. This is true. You're going to die. But you also have life that has been appointed for you. And you don't want to lose a single day, right? Not a single hour. You want to fulfill everything that God has for you to the best of your abilities, even though they're imperfect. We trust the Lord. And we have this great privilege to be his representatives. This is what it means to be his special treasure and to be raised upon this earth. And when we listen to him and we do what he says, you know what? We position ourselves for the blessed life. That's what Moses was speaking about. Deuteronomy 27, verses 11 through 14. That day Moses charged the people saying, when you've crossed over the Jordan, these shall stand on Mount Gerizim to bless the people, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, and Benjamin. And these shall stand on Mount Ebal for the curse, Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan, and Naphtali. And the Levites shall declare to all the men of Israel in a loud voice, and then it goes on what the Levites are to say. There's a warning about curses. And so I'm from the tribe of Levi. I'm a Levite, David ben Beryl HaLevi. And I want to tell you something. We're in a spiritual environment, a spiritual ecosystem, and there is a battle, and there will always be a battle. And we're in the battle, and we will always be in the battle. And the battle is between good and evil. It's between life and death. It's between the blessing and the curse. And maybe you don't want to be in such a battle. But we're all in it. Now here's the good news. Yeshua is our champion. He's your champion. Yeshua, our Messiah, our Redeemer, has obtained God's victory, and we can stand firm with him. Yeshua took the curse. He paid the ransom price, the penalty that we deserved according to the Torah, and he purchased us with his own life. He paid the price for our freedom. He paid the price for the blessings which we freely receive. He freely has given us blessings. And we honor what he's done by living mindfully for him. Proverbs 8.32, Now then, my children, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. 
who keep my ways. Isaiah 59, verse 20. The kinsman redeemer will come to Zion to those in Jacob who repent of their sins, declares the Lord. So powerful, our redeemer has come, and he will come, and we can count on that. So what's our part, according to this scripture, is to repent of our sins. So this world includes blessings and curses, it includes life and death, it includes good and evil. I think everyone knows this. Not everyone knows that we're not helpless or powerless victims in this world. And the Torah portion this week wants us to confront passivity. We do not go through life as passive people. We're called to be active, to take action, to put our faith into practice, to have active responses and positions, to make choices, to choose life, to choose blessing, to choose to act, to choose will. And so we use our power and we use our will, we use our initiative, that's our part. And I want to be so clear about this. This is not a life of passivity. It's not a life of super spirituality. It's real life that blends faith and action. It's life that unites what we believe and what we do. It's life that recognizes God has initiative and he has power. And we also have responsibility and initiative and power. And this life that God has called us to is a life that honors both parts, our part and God's part. And I want to assure you of this, God does his part. We do our part. That's the deal. We're in this together. That's why someone recently said, God makes trees, he doesn't make furniture. So when you're praying, be clear. Some people think God does everything, but that makes humans passive. It makes our actions unimportant and almost meaningless. Other people think God does nothing, that they have to do everything. Their favorite scripture is not even a scripture. God helps those who help themselves. But that makes God passive or absent, and it makes all of his actions in the past. But the Haftor portion makes it really clear that God is neither passive nor absent. He is active and present. He is the great I Am. Isaiah 60, verse 16, I, Adonai, am your Savior, your kinsman, Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. I love this. He says, I'm your Savior. I'm the one who saves you. He says, I'm your Redeemer, your kinsman, Redeemer, the one who pays the price for your freedom. He says, I'm the Mighty One of Jacob. He's God Almighty. He's the omnipotent King of kings who does great and mighty things. And because of him, we're alive and we can do our part. 
Hosea put it this way, return, O Israel, to the Lord your God because you've stumbled because of your iniquity. Take words with you and return to the Lord and say to him, take away all my iniquity. Have you ever been so frustrated with your iniquity, with your troubles, your difficulties? Don't be silent. Say to the Lord, help me, take this off of me. The scripture says he lifts off the heavy weight of iniquity. Say to him, take away all iniquity, receive us graciously that we may present the fruit of our lips. One last scripture. Romans 15, verses 12 through 13. And once more, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will appear. And that is a reference to Messiah one who will arise to rule over the Gentile nations. In him, the Gentile nations will put their hope. And then Paul writes, I pray that the God of hope, I like this so much, the God of hope, say that with me, the God of hope will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. And may you overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's thank the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Thank you, Lord, for healing. You are Adonai Rapha, the Lord who heals. Thank you, Lord, for provision. You are Adonai Yireh, the Lord who sees and provides. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for forgiveness. Thank you, Lord, for salvation. Thank you, Lord, for compassion. You are the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. We thank you in Yeshua's name. Amen. Well, we're going to close now with Aaron's blessing. Would you please rise? And for those of you who are on live stream or podcast, would you consider standing with us financially? If you want to support our ministry, you can find out all the information on our webpage, bethisraelnow.com slash giving. And you know, if, if, if you feel safe and secure doing this, you don't have to stand alone. You can move towards others and stand together. Let's close with Aaron's blessing. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha May the Lord bless you, and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you peace. In the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen.